Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. An honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and this is episode 14 of season 10. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is our final episode of this season. That is right. And I know we just had a short break over Christmas and the holidays and all that good stuff, but we are going to take another quick break after this episode. But do not worry, because the podcast is coming back very, very soon. Keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying this season and you're interested in more podcast episodes, I'm going to direct your attention to our Patreon because on the Patreon, we have extra podcasts every single week. And those have nothing to do with the podcast season that's going on. Those are freshly recorded from me for the Patreon every single week. So if you're like, I love this podcast, I want more, fantastic. Thank you so much. Huge compliment. Please head over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash onebrokeactress. It's also linked in the show notes. And for $4 a month, you can get an extra podcast every single week. I answer your guys' questions. We have a back and forth. And this is the perfect time to join because when this episode airs tomorrow, which is Friday, we will be having our goal-setting meeting for the year. So Friday, I believe the 20th of January, we're doing our Patreon-wide goal-setting. So we all meet together via Zoom. We go over the ins and outs of setting ourselves up for success and defining our own success in 2023. And it is always a call that we all leave feeling excited and motivated and happy, which is not something you always feel leaving a Zoom meeting, honestly. So I would highly encourage you guys, now is a perfect time to join the Patreon. Check it out in the link below. There are several tiers, but the basic tier of $4 will get you podcasts every single week, plus our goal-setting meetings, which happen every quarter, by the way, not just in January. Happens every quarter, so every three months, and they are very very useful. Shall we get to today's episode? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, for the second time on the podcast, Sarah Tomko is back. Sarah is an actress most currently known for her work on sci-fi's Resident Alien. If you guys remember, she was back with us a few seasons ago when her show had just finished filming. Now she is on the third season and she splits her time between L.A. and Vancouver. She also has a film production company with her husband called The Pocket Productions, and they're set to produce an art house horror film in 2023. She is not slowing down. And I actually have had the joy of meeting Sarah in person after we recorded this podcast, and now we've hung out a couple times. We've actually read some auditions together, and she is not fucking around in how much she finds joy in this work. She also talks really seriously in this episode about what it is like going from booking job to job to being a series regular, what that changes in terms of reps, in terms of auditions, how it changes what your expectations are and how you look for the next role, and how this job does not become easier just because you are getting seen. And she is very real about the expectations and how this wide, crazy ride rolls for her. I think you're going to love it. Thank you guys so much for being with me so far this season. Please stick around. More coming very soon. But without further ado, please enjoy Sarah Tomko. Sarah. (laughs) Sam. I, usually I wait. 
I've been, so we're recording a lot of people this season who've been on previous podcast episodes. And usually I wait to play them back a clip towards the end of the podcast. But for you, we're going to kick it off with a clip because. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Because we need to start here because this is, when I was re-listening to this, I had a small panic attack because I was like, I hope, I don't know if you've already heard this. I, I, I listened to the whole podcast. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. So we'll start from here. Yeah. We, we had such a good, long, juicy conversation. I know. And listening back to it was so fun. Okay. So I want you to listen to this. Okay. I'm ready. Is what I used later when I was doing some stuff as Asta that I was able to tap into so easily because of what I went through in 2015. And so then there was a whole synergy with things that Asta's character is going through that I had already gone through. And how could we have known that? How could I have ever, ever written that script for myself? It's such a beautiful like concept, but it is like going full circle back to the first question you asked me. That is not how I ever envisioned my career going. Mm. I, I didn't have that necessarily a vision, but it certainly wasn't that synergetic. <laughs> my <laughs> God. So now knowing that I'm going to hear this in a year from now, I'm going to say to my future self, congratulations, <laughs> your show not only aired, they picked up for a season two, they probably are picking up for a season three and people love it and you have done it. And there's probably something at this moment as you are listening to this that you needed to hear from me. And it's you are worthy. Oh my God. I'm crying at the top of your podcast, Sam. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> it's okay, doggies. We're okay. Don't ruin this dog. We're okay. They're just worried. They're like, why are you crying? They're <laughs> like, what is happening off the top? So, hi, welcome back to the podcast. Oh um, my God. <laughs> What a way to kick it off. What a beautiful reminder. Thank you so much. Yeah, because if anybody hasn't listened to that episode, the fact that you left yourself a future message (laughs) and do we not agree that everything you said has come true? It's true. Also, I thought you were going to play me the clip of when you told me, and it was like a huge epiphany for me during that podcast, where you were like, have you ever considered that while you were going through the worst year of your life, it was already being written for you? And I remember, I, about that too. I was like, <laughs> I think about that all the time, Sam. Like I remember that so vividly. And I thought, oh my God, she's right. Like while I was in the trenches, like thinking I was never going to like make it through someone somewhere, his name is Chris Sheridan, was writing this role for me. And it was, I mean, it was total destiny. But you're right. Everything came true. And I am worthy. Yay! How cool is that? (laughs) It just made me, I listened back and I was like, okay, we have to start from here, right? Because when we did your last podcast, you were holding, waiting kind of to see what was going to happen with the show. You know, your entire pilot to shooting to season one was such a story and everyone should go back and listen to it. It's linked in the show notes, but can you bring us to what's, how you feeling now? How you feeling going into, did you already shoot season three? Or no, no, what's no, the, no. Okay. We, we just found out like, what month is it? I mean, it's September now. Holy cow. It's September 1st. We yeah. We just 
found out in July, like two days before we went to the San Diego Comic-Con that we were getting picked up for season three. And we knew there was a possibility. We knew there was a good possibility, but you know, with the way things are in the world and number crunching and who's watching what, and there's so much content out there. We were all sort of like, we feel pretty good. Like we feel like we have a good audience base, but if the higher ups just like don't want to do this anymore it's totally up to them it's not really anybody else's in anybody else's control and they are so supportive of us we have an incredible group of producers that are just so so supportive of us and really want our show to succeed so we had that going for us going in and then we have the loyal fan base and we have the numbers to back us up but you just don't know with a quarantine and a pandemic now we've all lived through it's sort of like nobody at least my family, I feel, my husband and I, we don't make plans anymore. We have goals, but we don't make plans anymore because plans get broken because plans do not go to plan. So we just have goals. And if we meet them, great. And this was a goal and we met it and it was wonderful. And they told us, they told us two days before con. And this was the first time we were doing a live in-person event too, because they wanted to tell us, then they wanted to announce it. Then they wanted us to be able to talk about it at Comic-Con which makes sense and show some clips from these, the second half of season two. No, we, we, we aren't going to shoot until like right now there's, they're talking like mid January, like it's still five months from now. And so, okay. I mean, sure, there's still a possibility that something could happen or they could change their minds. But I mean, I, we all feel pretty confident that we're moving forward with so much celebration in our hearts. <laughs> we're all just like, well, cause I was thinking about, the things that we talked about in our last podcast. And one of them being like, what do you do in the in-between when you're not working? Yep. This was going to be one of my questions for you. Yeah. And it's been a little, you know, on one hand, it's like, I'm so grateful. I feel very blessed that I've had the work that I've had up till now. And, And booking season three is like booking a new gig. So you do feel rejuvenated by that. But there was definitely a moment in time, especially in April, when I first got back, I'd been working for eight months straight. And then all of a sudden it was like, cricket, cricket, there's nothing going on, which seems like this blessing. But for an actor who doesn't act, it's like such a sad thing to see. You don't want to see an actor not act, you know? Yeah. Well, it's enjoyable for like a week. There's like, you can relax and take it. It's like, if you've ever taken a long vacation after seven days, you kind of start to feel like trash. Yeah. (laughs) Because our, as much as we don't want to put all of our purpose into our work, a lot of our purpose in our life is in our work because we want to tell stories. We want to be able to relate to other people and for them to relate to us. And that's part of our artistry. And that's part of the cycle of life of what we were putting out into the world and getting back from the world. So when you're not pumping into that machine, you're just sort of floating. And as I was talking about with my therapist, I'm like, I feel like I'm floating in a galaxy with nothing to grab onto. And and on my best mental health days, it's beautiful. I'm in the galaxy. I can see the earth. I can see home. I can see the, like the stars are so bright and beautiful. But it, it's quiet. It's dark. There's a lot of emptiness around. <laughs> like You're just sort of like, if you get into it, if you get into bad mental health days, it's really overwhelming. It's like, what, what do I do? And then you start to hear those, that familiar voice again that familiar voice of like, who am I really, you know, like, what does it all really mean? And so of course I went into this huge, like just 
brain wave like world in April where I was just having a ton of anxiety because as my therapist put it, does playing Asta give you a break from being Sarah? And I had never thought about that before. So I was like, oh man, I guess so. And it's not that I, I, I don't even think I needed a break from being Sarah. It's just that that's what happens as an actor. You take on this character role. It's hard to, you know, separate the two. And then you have to separate. And when I said goodbye to her at the end of season two, I felt pretty confident I was going to see her again. So I wasn't too upset. But when I got home and had to reintroduce myself to Sarah, I was like, well, who are you, girl? (laughs) You know, like. Yeah, well, because I'm sure a lot of your day to day life was taken up by things to do with filming and planning. And you lived in a totally separate you're shooting in Canada, right? So it's like you live in a totally separate world. And so to come back to another place and be not have that to hold on to, and you're kind of just floating a little, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, the last time I had a break from work was the pandemic, which was so, it was a break for everyone. So honestly, like if I'm being, if I give myself any credit, I was, I was floundering around like a fish out of water because I was, I, this was literally my first time since 2018. Well, not even 2019, you know, when I was, cause I told you in our last podcast, I was still waitressing all the way up until season one. So season one starts, season one takes a break. It's a pandemic. Season two finally starts. Season two stops. Now we're back to the real world life is back online. And it's the first time I've been in this city without being a waitress or without doing the normal things I used to do. I really felt very lost. I felt very confused. I was like, oh, I mean, what a blessing. Wow. I'm not a waitress anymore. But I also just felt like I had to get to know myself all over again. Like, what is it that you want to do when you're not working? What do you want to be working towards in your hobbies or, or do you want to be working on something else or, you know, road trips or other creative projects? I don't know. There was just, there was so many questions. And for a Libra, that is just like a death sentence. We can't have that many questions, you know, like we're just constantly <laughs> Well, laying, especially you because know? you, you're, you already have the next job lined up technically, right? If everything goes according to plan. If everything goes according to plan, but if for some reason it doesn't. And so that was always sort of in the back of my mind, like, okay, I still have to prepare for this year ahead to like not work again for a while until I can get the next gig. Also, you know, without sounding at all, like I'm complaining, there is a different type of level that you're at when you're a series regular and you just can't go out for as much stuff in the in-between. So I've had a lot of- I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of great auditions, but because I've had a year off. So I was sort of thinking, ooh, I have a year off. When are you an actor and you get to know your schedule like that? You know, When does that even happen? Never. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, let's, I told my agency, I was like, let's do a play. I haven't been able to do live theater in so long and you never have enough time to do that because it takes three or four months out of the year to do it. Let's do a movie, a feature film. I still haven't done that yet. I'm still working towards that. Like nothing really quite lined up other than getting like COVID again, which is just, (laughs) you know, like, which was just like, I think like a norm for everyone, right? (laughs) 
that was the only like guarantee was like, ah, oh, well, I can't guarantee this, but I'll probably yep. get it. Yep. It's, it's, it's just gets us all. <laughs> I've also yeah. So in the, in the meantime, when I did book season three, that was like this be- beautiful relief as an actor. Like I did finally book another job and I am going to continue working and I, I can rest a little bit easier now knowing that. So then I was able to sort of really just breathe a little bit. And ever since then, I did some traveling to see family and friends. And now I'm sort of in this in-between place of like, I really do want to work. I think it'd be great to work on something different. But I also am trying really hard to lean into like this beautiful blessing I've been given of having some time off before my husband and I keep saying like, We just feel we're on the precipice of our life changing in a very big way with some of the things he wants to do as a filmmaker, wanting to start a family eventually. Like we just know there's stuff coming down the pipe. So we're like, this is a really precious time that we want to try to really be grateful for and not let those normal mental health, the rabbit's foot, as I call it. It's like, you know, you, you're the, you're the rabbit, your foot is the one that's like causing the dust. And you're like, why is it so dusty? You know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So talk me through, talk me through a in between seasons, a regular day in Sarah's life. Well, I'm into a really big mind, body, spirit routine right now, which is I mean, I can't help but be just woken up by my sweet little dog, Dove. Yeah, by the way, um, you got a husband and a dog since we talked. So, like, <laughs> things are great. <laughs> oh, my God. We weren't married yet? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, when did we talk? August of 2020. Wow, mm-hmm. Sam. Really? In two years. Yeah. Holy shit. I thought it was last year. You're right. I wasn't even engaged then, no? right? Mm-mm, I don't think I so. Think- Yes, he proposed on on November 1st, and then we got married May 2021 with a very small group of friends, and we had a big Zoom family show up for us in a pandemic world. And then we took a giant road trip, and then we started season two. But catching us up to today, Mm. yeah, and then I got a dog, February 2021. So 2021 was a really beautiful year. I find my odd years are like my best ones. I like odd numbers. I don't know what it is. I don't know if other people out there have that, but I feel like my odd years are like my on years. I think actors are very similar to sports players and that like our superstitions are high. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? And they usually involve some sort of numbers or something. So a normal day for me is my dog wakes me up. I feed her. We go back to bed for about an hour and a half. And then I get up before the rest of the house stirs, which is really just my husband. And I have a soul station. It's this giant shelf unit on the ground with a ton of crystals and my tarot and all my journals and a few gods and goddesses and some pictures of my family. It's just a whole station that I built. Actually, today is my four-year anniversary. Huh, I just realized that. Today is my four-year anniversary since I started this process, this soul station, as I call it. And it started with just like a candle and a journal. And it's built, I've built it into this giant altar space of things that inspire me, my ancestors, meditation, spirit guides, all the crystals, all the candles, so many things to just sit down and just sort of remind myself who I am and where I've come from and where I'm headed. So I always sit down 
on my little meditation pillow at my soul station and just sort of tune in to self, tune in to spirit guide, tune into whatever I need to hear that day. Usually I'll pull a tarot card, maybe a couple, maybe I'll pull a rune, which I feel like is a real direct source to higher power, Mm -hmm. to higher self, to that self of mine that is looking out for me from the future. Did you ever see Interstellar? Yes. And I watched it on a plane, which is terrible because I am also scared of flying. So I'm just a (laughs) a glutton for punishment. (laughs) (laughs) There's this whole sequence about Matt McConaughey. Spoiler for anyone who's not watched it, but there's this. Yeah, if it's over two years, there's no need for a spoiler alert. (laughs) There's this whole beautiful sequence about him and his daughter, and she's trying to figure out what's going on and these messages she keeps receiving, only to find out that it was him all along sending her messages from a parallel life and and sort of like a higher self concept of he was somewhere in the future you know, giving her these messages from the past. And I sort of, I just love that film because I feel like that's kind of how I, I feel like I'm somewhere in the future sending myself messages being like, girl, everything's going to be fine. Wake up. You're good. Like, let me show you some cards You mean like today. that message from the past that, that I just, just played for your for future me. self? Yes. <laughs> that's exactly how it goes. So I usually involve myself in a little soul station work. Lately, I've been really trying to tune into sweating, like body movement. I, I've never been somebody who's a big person like to work out, but I've sort of just realized recently that like, if I don't sweat every day, I'm going to go a little crazy. So I have to like either dance or we have a little self-made gym at home. We use, I do have a trainer that I call on sometimes, but it's become like, it's not about numbers or losing weight or it's more just about moving my body, being in my body, being present and feeling the sweat and feeling myself like breathe. I feel like it helps me really just breathe. And then after that, I, I sort of just let the day pan out how it pans out. It's been sort of a really beautiful vacation at home right now. I mean, I was traveling all July and August to sort of make up for lost time with the pandemic. I hadn't stepped foot inside my own home since 2019. I hadn't seen a few of my best girlfriends in New York since then. And I always loved to go to New York every year. And I hadn't been back to New York in a while. There was just a lot of great sort of reunions that I needed to have. And I thought, well, I had just gotten COVID in May and I was like, I'm in that immune zone. So let's go. And I, I mean, I, I went to so many places in July and August. So I'm just now back. I've been back about two weeks and I'm just enjoying each day as it comes and trying really hard not to let that voice that tells me I need to be doing more. I'm not doing enough. I'm trying really to like, whenever I hear that voice to just be like, hey girl, thank you so much for protecting me. Come along, let's hang out today, <laughs> you know? Yeah, are there, are there things you have to do now that you've done this one time going back for another season? When it gets closer to, are there things you do to get yourself back into the Asta vibe? Are there things that you do for your acting work to like stay fresh? Is there any process you have for something like that? Yeah, my husband and I call it impulse work. It's something I've been doing since my college days, which I called dancing in the dark at that time. I I had a a troop of of women that I did that with, and it was a way to just turn the lights off and really just get into your body and allow yourself to feel whatever you feel in that moment and then act 
worked on that. And so it's something that when I met my husband, who is a filmmaker and an acting coach, he used the words impulse work. And I was like, oh, that's the same thing. So it's a lot of rolling around on the ground. It's a lot of like the right mood and atmosphere, turning some of the lights down and really just getting out of my head and into my body. Because I feel like a lot of times, I, I'm sure any of our listeners would agree, you, you see stiff acting sometimes and you're like, oh, what's wrong with their jaw? Why are they so tight-lipped or what's happening there? Why do they stand that way? And, you know, not everybody does it, but you can really tell when an actor's not fully relaxed and it makes you uncomfortable and because they're uncomfortable. And so, but you want more for them. And it's, I find myself wanting to jump into the screen and just like rub their shoulders and be like, hey, you're doing great in this scene. Like, I'm sure you have a lot of pressure right now. I'm sure people are yelling at you and telling you to stand here and yeah. do it quickly and do this and do that. And I just wish that we could take a little more time as co-stars or, or even as directors or have rehearsal time to be able to help each other relax. So that's one of my biggest things that I really try and do about a month or two months before starting to shoot again. It's something that I'll wake up and it's like a whole, it's a little bit of like a little yoga, a little impulse. I do like cat cow movements. I'm crawling a little bit on the floor, allowing my hands and my fingers and my toes, everything to feel. And then I start putting words to it, especially if I have some of my dialogue from my script I start feeling those out in this impulsive way where I think some actors know the whole, the concept of like, take it to a 10 and then bring it down back down to a five. And then now bring it to a one. Like it's a whole range of trying in a bunch of different ways, but mostly relaxing into my body and like warming up the instrument that is my body and reminding her she has a job to do. It's a lot like training for, I mean, I, I can't even remotely say uh, Olympics or something, but in a sense, it's like a sports training. You know, it's like waking your body up and going, hey, okay, we're going to be on set for long hours. We're going to have to sustain. We're going to have to remember to breathe. We're going to have to remember to relax in really, in really tricky situations. And I think that's the best way that I can get back into her work. And then once I actually get the scripts or the, the words, then I love to just skim through, find what's mine and let go of the rest. And I like to watch it with mm. the audience. You know, I, I don't want to know too much about the story other than my own story. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a nosy Nelly. I would read the whole thing like a fucking novel. <laughs> well, we used to do table reads during the COVID protocol stuff, we had to stop doing that. And then it was like, we tried to do them on Zoom, but Zoom, it's not the same because mm -hmm. then, then the Wi-Fi would mess up and there, there's no flow and chemistry to that. So season one, I felt like I knew more of what was going on in people's lives because we could do those table reads. But in season two, I really, I lost it all. Like last night we had this episode mm -hmm. and everyone online was like, oh my gosh, what a twist. And I was like, yeah what are they talking about? I cannot remember the twist. <laughs> like I cannot. <laughs> and what's really funny, Sam, is I was involved in the twist. I just really couldn't even remember my own stuff. Like I just, I think Hilarious. there's a truth to like, you, you take it in, you, you give it 110% and then you let it go. And I really, I let it go. I don't hold on to it as much as I, as much as I can not hold on to it. I think you can't help but sort of carry it with you. That's, but, really, that's so cool. 
Yeah. I love that. I love the, well, I love too that you are like, I have systems in place to run a day and then things will happen because I, I'm working right now on a course for actors. That's all about dealing with free time and things to do with your time off, whether that's in between book. Well, everyone's technically in between bookings. We just don't know it yet or in between reps or something like that. Right. So the inevitable like length of the day and filling it can sometimes feel so overwhelming that we tend to make this laundry list of to-dos and that list never actually goes away. So all we're doing is just like adding more things that we're not doing to our mental like list of failures. And that to me does not work. I am not interested in that. So it's January, and maybe you haven't self-taped in a couple weeks, or it's been really sporadic and quiet out there, and you really want to like flex those muscles, but you're not really sure how to spend your time, money, and energy well, ladies and gentlemen, please let me introduce you to Castability. I have been a Castability partner now for almost a year, and I love working with this company because they were doing incredible work for actors. It's basically an audition simulator on the regular. So every single week, they release sides and you film them as auditions, turn them in on a timeline, and you get actual data feedback from casting associates. I find this to be so, so helpful, and I love the process and the thought and the work that they put into this app. I love what they are doing on the app and on the website, and if you guys have not checked them out, we have a discount code that is for the new year. Here's the deal. You can get six months of membership with a month free or... You can get 12 months of a CastAbility membership, so all of 2023 with two months free with the code OBA New Year. That's O B A N E W Y E A R. That is starting off 2023 right. You are going to get recurring data from casting that keeps your craft sharp and keeps you working and flexing those muscles constantly. The amount of sides you will have access to is like, it's just, chef's kiss, you guys. So like I said, get 12 months of castability with two months free or six months of membership with one month free. 2023, you're going to kick some ass with castability. Use code OBA New Year to start your year right. Let's get back to the podcast. Well, I used to be somebody who made myself fill the time. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. like you were just saying, like, it, it's really easy for us to just like oh, I can do have it a too. list and check it off and check it twice, all you know, day if you let me. Oh, yes. And then you make sure you have meetings with friends and network here and do this. And I'm going to make sure I do this. And I call my agent. And now I'm going to work on new headshots. And now I'm going to work on my reel. And now I'm going to, what else can I be doing? Hey, hi, a- agent, manager. What else can I be doing? Can I be doing something? And they're like, can you just chill the fuck out? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and I think you're like, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. There is something <laughs> you can totally do with that energy. And I feel like you're going to vibe with this is where when I utilize like time blocking in my schedule, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, I take meetings here. The same energy that we put towards that, like, craziness that it can be like, I have to do this. And then you can also put towards adding in your free time. So like on Thursday evenings, when my husband has his writer's meeting, I block out Sam time. And that can be, I can play on TikTok for an hour and a half if I want. I can make a fancy dinner or I can microwave something and watch six shows on my iPad while I paint my toenails. Like because that time is marked off as my time, I am technically being productive 
with the thing I wanted to do. So it calms my brain down of the crazies. And it Mm -hmm. also gives me that built in like comfort zone. You're so good at goal orienting. You're so good at it. I have to. Yeah. I have, I have have to do something. I love that. I think, I think that I've, I've actually told my husband that too, because he's a writer, filmmaker, and sometimes mm-hmm. he gets a little overwhelmed by how much he can just like write for hours and hours and yeah. then he doesn't eat. And you're like, babe, you have to factor in recharging your body battery. And that is part of your revolution is rest. And you have to see that as a necessity. And there's a difference between procrastination or boredom and actual like calendar routine rest that you allow yourself. Yes. And even I was listening to a TED talk once about boredom and she was saying something fascinating Mm. about like, don't knock it either. The reason we go into zones and we play Zelda for five hours, that's me, is is because we need something to put our brainwaves onto so that then our whole body can relax And we can start to pull up the other thoughts that have been neglected. And then all of a sudden, about Mm. hour three, when I'm like swinging my sword and like, (laughs) you know, using my Triforce, I'm like, oh, you know what I feel like doing? I feel like working on my poetry book. You know, all of a sudden I have Mm. this thought Mm. that comes out of the depth of my soul that's like, hey, maybe when you're done, we could be inspired to do this thing that we've always wanted to do, but we haven't, we forgot that we wanted to do. I feel like I'm trying now to practice that more, to practice sitting and just asking myself, "Mm, how do you feel today? And what do you want to do? And I feel like when I give myself that permission, like you're, like you were just saying, even if you are the type of person who's goal oriented and, and like actually puts it into your routine. But if you're not that type of person, if you can still just take a moment sometimes to just sit, breathe, and listen, I think you'll be surprised at what comes up. Like you might actually be surprised to hear that you do in fact want to do the laundry, even though you feel like that's a task that you really didn't want to do. All of a sudden you're like, you know what sounds great? Folding clothes and being quiet and listening to, or maybe listening to music. Like I I feel like sometimes we have these tasks in our life that we like get we get bogged down by as human beings and so I know I do I get to a place where I'm like I don't want to clean a dish anymore I don't want to pick up after myself but oh, I God. feel like that list like you said is always yep. happening it's obviously our creative list is always going but then there's just the being human list things like I have to like my mm-hmm. birthday's coming up. I got to go to the DMV, you guys. I have to, I have to do that thing where I have to renew the license. Now there's this whole thing about a real ID with the bear on it and all that shit. And I'm like, I can't, I just <laughs> can't I do know. it. I will tell you, I just did it. And it was actually quite simple. See, okay, great. This is a wonderful reminder to me that like, yeah, we make it worse in our heads. Yes. We, we prolong this thing we don't want to do. Instead of just like taking a minute and going, you know, if I took care of that, I'd feel a lot better. And then I could do other things. I'm going to reward myself by saying, oh, look, now that I've taken care of that task, I can actually go and do this for a day or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, 
but truly the DMV thing, because they have appointments now, it's really streamlined. You just got to upload your documents, then you take it with you. It's really easy. But I think something about what you were saying is really nice because what we like to do in free time and what I can imagine the pressure would be even more intense to do this between filming seasons of something that people are actively watching and getting to know you on is my brain will shift into how do we fix Sam more right now? What can we do to fix Sam? What do we need to fix about Sam? Do we need to cut her hair? Hmm. Do we need to get her a new wardrobe? Should she try cycling? Should she? (laughs) And like, I'm like, so my brain's like, how can I make me a different, better, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that means, person? Yes. And I think a lot of actors are like, okay, well, especially with actor time, it's like, well, how do I be a better candidate for a new agent. And it's like, well, I need to fix all of these things about like my brain will go into like. Interesting like, verbiage that you feel you need to be fixed at all times. Uh-huh. Mm. Always, I'm, I'm always problem solving for problems that don't actually exist. Right. Or that you feel will come. And so you're trying to do that great thing that all servers do, which is like anticipate the needs of what's coming. You know, you, you fill up the water before they ask you for water. It's the same thing. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I am anticipating what other people are going to need from me immediately. I have birthday presents for some friends and their birthday literally just happened. And it's like there for next year. Like I am, I'm a high level anticipator which is also often called anxiety. And so I can't imagine that that doesn't come up in between. Also, it'd be interesting to see what it would be like for you to have a routine daily that says, I don't need to be fixed as a mantra. Mm. You know, like there, I like there's, yeah. there's, I think, truth in verbal affirmations that we constantly are looking mm. for in other people or in our projects or from our agents or our husbands or wives or partners and or friends even. And what about just giving yourself that verbal affirmation or giving yourself that mantra that you need at that time? And maybe it changes daily. Maybe it's something you put a little post-it note on your mirror so that you're reminded. I have one right now, an article about body dysmorphia, because I really struggled with that this year. Mm. Because when you see yourself on TV, the first time for me, and I've heard this from other people, it's cosmetic. Like the first time you watch it, it's very cosmetic. You're like, oh, I don't like that angle or that shirt I thought looked better. Or, oh God, like, why is my makeup that way? Why do I look like I have fake eyelashes? Like what's happening here? Asta doesn't look like that. What, you know, and then all of a sudden you have this like wild brain matter just screaming at you. And I have always been a body positive person, but this year, I think some of it is, some of it is just time evolution. We've been sitting around for two years in quarantine. We weren't doing a lot of stuff. Now we're asked to be doing so much and you just feel like you're not enough. You feel like you need to be fixed. You feel like you're trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. And then of course, as women, we're programmed to believe there's beauty of only a certain type that you fit into. And so without going down too much of a tangent that route, I have an article that my friend sent me that I have that I printed out and I taped on my door where my vanity set is. And I look at it every day and it reminds me, it's this article this woman wrote about, she was a hospice nurse and she was spending time with people who were transitioning soon. And every single one of them, she asked them, what do you think you'll miss the most about your life in a human body on this earth? And they all said, my body, like flawed and all big or small, like whatever, 
my whole life I was told to hate it. My whole life I was told by this thing or that person that it wasn't enough. And every single person at the end of their days realizes it's the one thing that is truly human about us. You know, like we don't know what happens before we are come into the world through our mother's vaginas or like what happens when we go out of the world, no matter what it is, whatever that portal is that we leave through. The hospice nurse was saying like, that is what everyone says they'll miss the most is their body and how much they are regretful that they were so abusive to their body, whether in mentally or physically. And so I, I printed that out and I, I, and I look at it every day and it really has helped me remind myself, I can't stop having my dysmorphic thoughts at times. That's something that's out of my control. It's something I'm currently working on, but I can look at that and remind myself Mm -hmm. that we're all just floating in a ball in the sky and we don't even know why we're here and what is beauty anyway. And what is life? Like how short it is. We're already in September. Like what is happening? You know, it's like this, it's a beautiful reminder that article just like any mantra. That's why I think that was why I was saying it, like writing stuff down for yourself, printing it out, posting it on a post-it note, giving yourself a little help. You know, it's a little bit like doing that, that thing you did for me at the beginning with like, you gave me that note I gave to myself two years ago. And that's like putting a giant post-it note now on my mirror. That's like, you are worthy. What a beautiful note I gave myself. And I feel like we don't do that enough. We do that for other people. We do that for our friends. It's constantly, we're there for our partners. We're there for other people. But man, we are such an awful species about self-love. Like we are so, we are so bad at it. And it's been, that's, that's what this anniversary I'm having today, this four-year anniversary of having a soul station is truly me investing in my own self-care. It's me sitting down with self with a candle and a pen and a journal and and giving myself five minutes, 10 minutes. It turned into, there was like in my second year, it turned into like a four hour thing every morning, which I was grateful I had the time to do. People who have different jobs than me or who have kids or who have other obligations might not be able to do that. But finding time in your day, whenever it is, morning, afternoon, night, to give yourself that five minutes or if you have the luxury of four hours, like you deserve that. You you should be curious about who's in there. Who's in there who's been observing you since you came into this world? And they'll be with you when you go out and they'll be like, hey, that was wild. <laughs> that, that ride, like, wasn't it? <laughs> you know? Who's that? <laughs> I love that. It's it's such a nice perspective too, because we can really, like I said, we tend to get in our own way sometimes in this right. work and if the goal is like understanding human experience, then like, why don't we start with like case study one, patient zero, right? Like, which is ourselves. We got real spiritual. I want to talk a little bit like businessy (laughs) now, if we could, because this is uh, something I I was wondering. I know. I'm like, you you made me tear up with that body shit. I'm like, uh, also because it's 105 degrees, but it's something I think, I mean, the truly though, to touch on like the body's morphia stuff, it's like, it is, I could do a whole season just talking with actors about seeing themselves on camera and then the pressure of coming back for a season because it almost feels like if you do that, you know that I would love when to you be would a come part back to school. I think that's really I might I think it's, there's I might do a full body too. I feel like, you know, yes, I recently had a conversation with a loved one in my life that is male who came forward to me and said, I also struggle with body dysmorphia. And I had no idea and it really 
we can we have to be honest and communicate about it otherwise we're never going to heal from this and we and it's really about deprogramming what was put into our brains at a very very young age it's not our fault it's just we have to learn to say to each other i see you i'm with you we're not going to stand for this anymore you know yeah and it, well it's also hard because personally i've always been rewarded for some of my negative behavior with myself. Like I will get compliments from reps for losing weight. I will get Yeah, the minute you lose weight. Money, yeah. I will get Oh, you look beautiful. More. What are you doing? Like, yeah. I will get yeah, oh my God. And get more money in terms especially like print work and stuff like that because I fit the aspect ratio they are looking for. So it's like at what point is that worth it versus not worth it? It's like a whole, this is, this will be its own podcast series at some point because I could talk about it forever. <laughs> it fascinates me. And you're not alone and you're not alone. Yeah, me too. I, I think, I think we all have a warped view of ourselves and that's part of our, our plight in life is to sort of wake up to our own reflection and say, oh, I remember you. You've always been there. You always will be. But it's really hard to see who that person is. And it takes yeah. a long time, I think. And maybe even it's a lifetime endeavor. Maybe maybe it's not something you ever figure out. Maybe it's just constantly being worked on. But I think just being aware of it is the first step. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Well, speaking of reps, I want to kind of transition into a little business chat to see yes. what do things look like when you're about to film season three of a show, has your team changed? Have you brought on new people? Like, do you have an accountant? Do you have a lawyer? Like, what is that process and what has changed in that? Or what have you learned? I have an agent and a manager. And when I say agent and manager, they're still plural. Those are like all encompassing words. I have technically three agents at an agency mm -hmm. that really like work team effort together for me. I have two managers that work for the management company that work together. And so really I have these five people that I'm constantly emailing with, but they have their bosses and they have their people. So it's like, there is a, a team of people plus the assistants that work for them that do the ones, the assistants, thank you very much. Wherever you are, all of you are the ones that are submitting our tapes and doing all of that that special, mm. very important work. <laughs> so if you are not like at the end of the year, sending them like a thank yeah. you card, I'm giving you that nice PSA right now. Please say thank you to the assistants of the agents and the managers that, that work for you. I, I still have the same team. My journey has been slightly, I think, non-traditional in the sense that I wasn't convinced that you should or should not have an agent or a manager. I sort of loved the Bill Murray story about how he never had one, but that's just a very, very like, you ha you have to have one ultimately to help you cut through the red tape. The 70s right? and 80s were a long time ago. You have to have an agent. They were <laughs> so different. And he, and he was a white man. Like that's the truth. Like there are some things there that there's privilege that, you know, he was able to say, I don't need that. Whereas, you know, we don't have those, those luxuries anymore. Like, like, like it was back then. 
So there was a time where I was sort of in refusal of that. But then I, I did a showcase and I stumbled into my manager, Zach, who was my manager for a decade. He, he went to different places and took me with him. And that's where I ended up with Bohemia. And Bohemia introduced me to KMR. And they work very closely together. And so it's a lovely, lovely team of people, really good, genuine people who all really support me and believe in, believe in me. And I think that's important for anyone out there. If you feel like they're just grinding to grind and they don't see you as a person, that's a red flag. Obviously, agents are meant to do their job a certain way and managers are there for more of that lifetime arc. But in general, you should feel comfortable with your team as I do. To be able to say to them when you feel like they're not doing enough or there's questions you might have about the business. I definitely had some honest conversations with my team at the beginning of the year when I was having anxiety about well, what do I do now? And even though I'm a series regular and that's amazing and there's less for me, shouldn't I be doing this? And shouldn't I be doing that? And I got really, I was like, well, what can I be, you know, new headshots and real and what do you know? And they basically were like, you've done everything you can do as a person who grinds, you know, like as an actor, you grind when you don't have your own team. And then eventually you sort of have to start trusting that they do that grind for that you. Was, I went through that transition when I got my first theatrical agent and I was like, what do I do now? And they were like, you just continue right. to exist. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> now there's truth, there's truth to like keeping on them mm-hmm. to like constantly having, I, I say, I'd say maybe once every two months, if I haven't had a talk with one of those five people, I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to send an email. There's going to be a, like, I'm not going to ever let even really more than a month go by without talking to them in some way, shape or form. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? What's out there? Is there anything I can be doing? Mm-hmm. But my agent, Jody, who's at KMR, <laughs> we, we went out and had lunch together and she so eloquently said to me, as I said before, she was the one that said, just chill out everything's okay. We're, we're, we're grinding for you over here. We're doing the best we can. So I haven't changed my team. I do have a lawyer. Her name is Emily. She's awesome. She's this kick-ass chick who is like so fierce, but due to like a little bit of lack of knowledge in my naivete, when I was first getting started, I didn't ask for her services for the initial signing of the TV contract because I already had my agent and my manager. And I really was so poor and I couldn't afford to pay a third Yeah, because you would pay her but up front, she, right? Or does she take a percentage? Right. Okay. Well, you would... No, she takes a percentage, okay. but it would be like, just like they take a percentage for the rest of time for the contract. And at that time, I already was was very in debt and was very poor and was already paying the agent and the manager. And and so I told her later, like, Hey, you know, I know that we were working together and, and I didn't come to you for this, but I'm, you know, I want you to know, I still want you to be my lawyer. I still want to work with you in the future. And she was so great about it, but she did say, and I'm going to pass this along to your listeners. If you're worried that they're going to take too much money or something, then talk to them about that ahead of time. If I had gone to her, what she was basically saying was, if I had come to her and said, I am poor, I don't know if I can afford you. She would have said, I won't charge you unless I get this amount. Unless I get them to agree. Mm. So it would have like covered her It would cover it for me so that I wouldn't be out of pocket. 
And I never even yeah. thought that. I just was so so scared and I didn't want to disappoint her. And and this was early days. And I think this is where it's important that like no matter how hard to have some of those conversations, the only way you're going to get what you want out of your team is to say like, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. So now I know when the next project comes along or when the time comes that we need to re-up our contract for the show, I will get her involved and she's going to be there. She's like, I'm ready whenever you are. And I just haven't had other work yet, but I do have a lawyer. I do have an accountant that I got at the top of season one. I was really terrified Mm -hmm. of making big numbers. And I was like, what do you do with that much? Like compared to my waitress money, like, what do you do? I don't want to fuck that up. I don't want to. Well, and also there was some confusion whether you were like going to go like straight to the, like, was it like streaming? Was it what, what platform? So you probably had no anticipation of like any further residuals. Like you didn't, there was so much you didn't know. I still don't really understand quite how the residuals work, to be honest with you. Like I I, I Streaming ones kind of just don't. (laughs) Yeah. Because we've had reruns happen, but it's like, that's leading up to the new season. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's part of the contract is like, that's not quite residual. It's like, it's like when it plays a couple years later, I don't really even understand it fully. I I really need to, and this is something I'm working on that I would encourage other people to do as well. I was listening to a podcast with Mila Kunis, which she was fascinating to listen to, by the way. And it was on Doc Shepard's podcast where he does armchair expert and he mm-hmm. talks to actors a lot. Yeah. It's a really great section where she talks about business. And one of the things that she said was one of the big things that she was grateful to Ashton being in her life was that he taught her to really take hold of her business affairs and know what's in her contracts and know what conversations are happening. And she is now never not on a phone call when they're on a phone call about her. So she was like, you can even request to your agents and managers when you're wheeling and dealing on my behalf, I want to listen in. And then before you give a yet, like, I want to hear everything you're saying on my behalf. I want to hear what's going on. I want to know. She she said she was writing down words that she'd hear on the phone, big words that she was like, what the hell does that mean? And she'd go look them up. And now, and I'm realizing like, I have a contract that's up. Technically, I signed a six-season contract in 2018. Six-season years means that you can only have six seasons in six years. But once you get to six years, whether you've had six seasons or not, because you can only have that, that many seasons, the contract is done at six years. However, we had a pandemic, so there was a little bit of a, it's sort of like a hiatus, but there's a um, furlough, I think is maybe what it's called, but like it's when you pause the time frame of the contract. I still don't know for how long they paused it. I think they paused the contract for, for four months because we stopped in March and we didn't start again until August. So April, May, June, July would have been the four months we had, quote unquote, off, which means let's say my contract is up in January 2024. Now it's actually up in April 2024, four months later or whatever. That's a thing that like I need to go and look and understand when, how long did that furlough last? What does that mean is the end date for my contract? And what does that mean for renegotiations for myself in the show? Because usually you don't get to that point. Normally when we don't have a pandemic stopping us, you, you get to mm-hmm. six 
seasons or six years, whatever comes first. And that's when you do the big renegotiation. Well, we've only done, we're about to do the third season and it's already been four and a half years. By the time we get to the end of season three, ideally my contract will be close to being done, which is like Mm -hmm. sort of unheard of with a show like this. So it's like, there's a chance and there's a chance. There's a lot of shows that don't make it past season three and we'll see what happens for ours. We feel all pretty like confident that it could go on for a couple seasons, but like, again, you don't know the, the temperament of the viewers or the number crunching, but it is something that I'm going to have to start paying attention to. When is my contract up? What does it say about my abilities to then renegotiate? Do I want to talk to my team at that time and have something change, anything change? Is there something I'm looking for mm-hmm. or I'm needing? At that point, I probably will not get my lawyer involved because I will want... Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. question. When do you get a lawyer involved? Right. Like, I that's think I'm actually going to contact her this year. I think I'm going to... Yeah. I've been thinking about it and I'm thinking you know what I might do is I might just get her to like get those contracts, all of them, you know, whatever I've got out there and see what I have, you know, lined up for me. But I also need to know that stuff too. It's like, we can't be naive to our own business contracts. I'm very, very trustworthy when it comes to that. And I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I read it and I make sure that I go over it with either my lawyer or or a trusted friend knowing what I'm signing. But like, I'm still pretty trustworthy when it comes to like timelines and, and, you know, what you, what I get out of this and what, what, what I give back, you know, but I think there's ways I could be more in the know. So business wise, I have the same team. I have a lawyer. I have an accountant. That accountant has helped me tremendously with my taxes because once you start making a certain amount of money in a bracket, you will always forever owe money. It's a new concept. You you know, taxes used to be this like, oh, you get like whatever, a thousand dollars back or whatever after no, all your claims. I pay every year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like it's just because I claim so much untaxed money too. Right. From like I used to claim like babysitting money. I would just claim it all. At the time I felt silly, but now I'm glad I did it because now I have more like credit and equity built behind my name because I paid taxes on the money I made. That's amazing. I I didn't have that. I, I just was sort of taught early on, like, you can claim everything as an actor. Like, you can claim going to the movies. You can claim, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the things. So for a while there, I was getting good money back. But last year when I did taxes, I remember my, my accountant called me and was like, okay, so you owe this number. And I about spit out my water because I forgot <laughs> that, like, I, because I have a business, because I have an actual yeah. – LLC or an S corp? Yeah, an S corp. Okay. Because I have, yeah, because I have that now. I don't pay taxes up front. I pay them at the end after I have done all the claims and everything. Which now he takes care of for me, which is quite beautiful. And I, I do still try to stay abreast of what's happening there too. I think it's also really important if you can wrap your head around the taxes, like trying to understand why you claim what you claim and why you're getting back or having to give, like. I did taxes by myself for two years and I learned so much. I encourage you at least one year of your life, do your own taxes if you can, because it's really, it's daunting, but it teaches you a lot about how the money works and where it goes. So I do have this incredible business team around me, but I do have contracts that are, they're coming up. 
they're coming up and it'll be my first time dealing with that. So maybe in our next podcast, <laughs> we can talk about what I ended two years from yes. now. We can talk about what I ended up doing and what I ended up deciding. I would love that. And I would love to talk to your lawyer because I'm fascinated oh, by that side of the business. I feel like it's something too. that no one tells you because your agents and managers are supposed to take care of contracts for you. And so the mm-hmm. idea of like, also you need to have a lawyer is wait, when, what, who, why, and like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My manager, Zach, the one that I had for that first decade who, you know, he decided to go a different route with his life, but he introduced me to my managers and agents. Now he's the one that actually introduced me to her. He introduced me to all the people that are on my team because he really understood what I needed at the time. And so I was really grateful for that, but I also was very naive. And when I was so poor, I was like, why do I need to pay another person? But that was when I learned that lesson from her. And so I'm passing that along to you guys. Like, don't be afraid to just ask, or don't be afraid to just say, you know, know what? I cannot pay you unless we can work out a deal. You know, that is what they do for a living. That's what they do is they work out deals with everyone. You know, yeah, they live to work out a deal. (laughs) So let them do their thing that they do so well. I think what's really overwhelming about accountants or lawyers or agents or managers is, is whether or not you can trust them. And I think that that comes down to a gut feeling And that comes down to how much you feel seen and heard. I happen to feel very seen and heard by every member on my team. And if that changes, then I would have some things I needed to think about. But right now, no matter what anxiety I'm going through or mental health stuff, or I'm thinking I should be doing this or I should be doing that, I have people in my corner in all of those areas that really want what's best for me. And I think that's, that's what you need in a team. And if you, for some reason, feel like you don't trust somebody on your team, cut it loose, cut them. They're just, it's not worth your time. There's so many people out there that are willing and want to do the work for you and do it right. There are so many good people. It's just so scary because you're like, especially with an accountant too, you're just like, oh my God, now you're handling my money. And eventually a financial advisor, I've been told now it might be a good time to do that. Also a little scary because that's really letting someone into your home and into your pockets, you know, like, and like help you plan your future. That's a, that's a scary one. Yes. Like they, they help you plan. And then they also look at what your spending was. And it's a little, I, I worked with a financial advisor once And the preview I got was, she said, I want you to write down everything you've spent money on in the last two months. And it was such a humbling experience (laughs) because Mm -hmm. man, Mm -hmm. those Starbucks $10 things add up. Like all of a sudden there was one month I was spending something stupid, like $8,000 on all these little tiny things. And I was wondering why I couldn't make this bill or that bill. Mm -hmm. That's where a financial advisor is really great. So if you feel like you're being overwhelmed by your own small spending or you need someone's guidance in that way, I mean, there's so many people out there that want to help, but also use your gut instinct, you know, take a minute and feel like, are these people good? Are they good for me? And is it something I need right now? What would you say, because there's a lot of actors who are listening, who have their first agents or managers who don't feel seen who are not having a great time or who can't get 
a meeting to save their lives. And a lot of these actors message me and they say things like, I'm too scared to go without someone. I, it's so hard. It's so hard to get a meeting to find someone because they don't have any credits. What would you say to an actor like that right now? Well, if you're not being seen by your agent or manager and you're not even going out that much anyways, what are you losing? What, what what really are you losing other than the title that you get to put at the top of your resume that says you are represented by them? And believe me, I get that that's worth its weight in gold. I get that on the resume, it looks real nice, especially a very reputable agency or management that, that you're signed with. There's obviously a game that we play in this industry. You have to have certain types of credits. You have to have gone to a certain amount of school or had some education with certain types of companies. And it always looks good to have an agent or manager that's reputable. But if they're not working for you, then they're not working. And that is only holding you back. It is truly stopping you from being your best self and getting what you want right now. All it's doing is prolonging you having the full, confident experience in this industry of, I take care of myself, I take care of my needs, I know what I want, I know my worth, and if you want to hang out and be with me on this team, you're the lucky one. They work for you. You work for them, but they work for you too. It is a mutual relationship. It is like any other relationship. And if you feel like you're being neglected or they're not being romantic or there's not some hand-holding happening, then you need to say, hey, I need you to hold my hand. I'm freaking out. Or, hey, I need you to take me to lunch. Or, hey, we need to like get to know each other so that this is a little bit more of a personal relationship mm -hmm. so that we both have an investment in this. And if you don't have time for that or you keep feeling like you're being pushed to the wayside, you need to consider what that, what that means for you. Is it really doing anything for you? Like Just because you have those credentials on your resume doesn't mean shit if you're not giving your resume to people because you're not walking in the room because they're not getting you auditions anyways. Do you even walk in rooms anymore? Yeah. It's all self-tapes at this point. <laughs> like, I don't even know if we get to see. Commercials. Commercials are starting to, to go back. You can do the hands. You're Commercials like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can do hands. So you can do hands. I mean, listen, I think you're 100% right. And I think that I don't know of any actor who has advanced to higher level guest stars and series regular auditions with a rep that won't answer their oh, phone yeah. calls. I mean, I feel bad because sometimes I have anxiety past work hours and you really try to be respectful, but like it'll be 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and I will be texting my agent or my manager, Kat, bless her soul. And I'm like, I'm so sorry it's late, but I'm really freaking out about this thing or whatever. And if she is there, she will answer me. And if she's like, I've got my boundaries, she's like, hey, I'll talk to you in the morning or whatever. I mean, and I try to respect those boundaries and those hours but that's also up to them. Something my, one of my best friends, Meredith Gerritsen, who's on the show with me, she said to me once that I just has always stuck with me is you need to give people the opportunity to say yes or no to you. That's not up to you to decide if they're going to say yes or no. You need to put out there what you need, give them the opportunity to tell you what they can do to help you or if they can't help you. And if you feel like they're not responding to your call or they're lying to you, get rid of them. That We don't have time for that shit. Life is too short. You are worthy. You are an actor. This is your career. Your career is right now. You're listening to this podcast. It's your career. You are already 
thriving. And there will be a day when you are finally at a place where you wanted to be and you had this goal and you'll get this gig and whatever. And you're going to look back on this time as this like drive and this hunger you had, and you will miss it. It will be precious. There will be this time in your life where you're like, man, I just sort of wish I could go back to the days that I was grinding because now I'm just fucking taking golden elevators everywhere and I'm on first class seats and I'm finally being like pampered and, you know, like taken care of. But I also think that a lot of people who get to that point, I've worked with enough people now to see that there is like a deadness behind their eyes. You have to keep your drive. You have to keep your fire. And something I always say to to young actors, especially Pack your own snacks. Do not rely on anybody. When you go to when you go to set, bring all the things you need. You have no idea. Just because you're on this glamorous, huge, new, big thing doesn't mean that they're going to be able to take care of you. They have so many people to take care of. If you're lucky, you get the bonus of the big trailer and you get the bonus of someone bringing you your lunch and it becomes really wonderful and you can get a little spoiled with that. But, but just like my, my co-star Alan says, he's like, I go to con and I feel like a king. And then I come home and my wife's like, do the dishes. And I'm like, but I'm a king. And she's like, do the fucking dishes. You know, <laughs> like we're, we need to be humbled. We need to remember that it's always a grind. And, and at the same time, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, Sometimes you need to trust that the people who are working for you are doing the grind. And so you need to rest. That's your job. But I just think anybody who's out there saying, I haven't made it yet. I don't know if my agent or manager is working for me. I don't want to be alone. You are your own best advocate at the end of the day. Pack your own snacks. Take care of yourself. Like, Don't rely on anyone but yourself. You have to have a trust circle of people you rely on. Who's in it? How many people are in it? And anybody who's not in it, they're they're not in it. So like, get them out because <laughs> they're only getting Ugh, in your way. I, this is a perfect stopping place. I think that's such good advice. We've hit on like every level of every actor, and it's just it's yes. so we've talked about the the business side and the spiritual side, and I think this is just such a full circle podcast. Sarah, where do you want to direct people to? Is there anything you want to share to pimp out? What do you want to send? Ooh, good. Question. Uh, I love pimping things out. Right now, I'm on the journey of pimping out my friends who are musicians. So check out Amy Bales, mm-hmm. an incredible independent musician in New York, one of my oldest friends. And just listening to her voice will soothe you and calm you and get you into that stillness place that's so good for your soul. Ooh, Amy B A I L S. A- Amy, A-I-M-E-E, and then Bales, B-A-Y-L-E-S. Okay, we'll link it in the show notes. Yes. She just, anytime you hear her sing, it's just like an angel. I've always said that about her. We have an awesome chick on our show. I don't even know if I can, is, is chick an okay word to say anymore? Like I don't know. I'm fine with it. Okay, I, don't I think it's just a bit- <laughs> Um, we have a, an amazing woman, I shall call her Taylor Blackwell, that was a guest star on our show. And she does this really fun, like sort of folky, but also like punk rock type of music. And so I'm shouting her out, look her up, Taylor 
Blackwell. She's got like a real vintage style and she's way ahead of her time, but she's this like old soul in this beautiful young woman's body. So I'm really like digging her music right now. And just in general, we have some big elections coming up. So I'm just going to put a little teeny PSA in there to do your research and vote. (laughs) Love it. I love that you didn't send anyone to anything of your own show at all and just now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. You can check out Resident Alien, Peacock app, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's very exciting. I'm very grateful. And it's happening as mm-hmm. we speak. You can like catch up and watch it Wednesday nights at 10 on Sci-Fi. And then you can catch up the next day on the Peacock app. I also think maybe it's on Hulu. You can see some of them or Amazon Prime. I feel like you can buy the season, which I just do. So I don't have to worry about cable anymore. That's it's only nice. like 20 bucks or something. But yeah, okay, sure. The show. That's it's a I do love the show. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, when you're signing your next contract for season five and six, you can come back and we'll do this again. Yes, perfect. It was so good to see you. You're such a light in the world. Thanks for you everything are. you do. Wait, do you want to send your future self a message if we do this again? <gasps> Let's okay. do it. Yes. No okay. pressure. Okay. Future self. Thank you for your patience and for continuing to give yourself good self-care and self-love. Keep going. Mm, Perfect. I think everyone at home needs that too. Keep Keep going. Take care of yourself. Yes. It's worth it. Sarah, you're amazing. You're amazing, Sam. You're a light in the world. Thank you for your work and your podcast and all the things you're doing to help young actors. It's, It's an amazing thing to continue to witness what you're doing in the world. Thank you. You're welcome. 